All right, y'all, you already know what I'm about to say. Uh, Coach John Coleman uh, delivered a high-quality episode, as you might um, infer. Uh, we got to talk about really everything. We got to talk about sports. Uh, we got to talk about uh, the D2 playoffs and Harding. Um, him being the former lineman and me being the former lineman kind of geeked out to some run game stuff. Um, we talked about what he does there at Central High School in Texas. Um, realized he didn't have, I don't, he did, he does not have a football team at Central. Uh, how does he train other kids? His approach with baseball training. Um, it's really cool. It's really insightful about the, the different ways that he kind of avenues into speed and agility and uh, what he does in the weight room as well. So enjoy this episode with Coach John Coleman. A uh, couple of things before we get going off of here. Uh, definitely want to talk about our new sponsor, which is the Working Dog Coffee. Okay. This is from Brennan Sweeney down in uh, North Carolina. Uh, has a coffee has a coffee um, company down there, and um, something about that company is is that you know there's so many people I know that miserly consume coffee through disturbing products on the market, and the solution we have. Is offering an organic coffee that doesn't have any of the nasty side effects. That's a poorly regulated energy drink. The product, the only products you'll need on the label are 100% organic coffee with organic flavoring. Our two flavors, which is the mail and the burner, are a great mix of a high caffeine product and a classic Colombian favorite blend for coffee drinkers. You can use the code CHATS for 15% off. And every bag you buy will help support Working Dogs charities around the country. Again, that is code CHATS for the coffee. Now, also, we have to talk about the other sponsor of this podcast. What's the other sponsor for this podcast? You can believe it. It is Team Builder. So let's talk about Team Builder. Team Builder is the software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16-plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting, to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builders and house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. It's the day after Christmas, uh, December 26th, 
um i'm in the middle of like my my studio is like destroyed man like um by studio i mean my kitchen um i got a blackstone for christmas and um trying to set that thing up right now so when 2024 rolls around you know it'll be a bad year for for some steaks and some fun for uh for uh for some food man um trying to get that all set up but today i got on uh john coleman down at central high school i believe it's the correct school yes central high school now we're kind of the same boat man uh biology teacher and a strength coach powerlifting coach one algebra one teacher and a strength coach algebra one yeah so i get the freshman so and you you know about as well as i do how do you balance that life of being i'm assuming a tested subject teacher and then try and take care of your uh your programs um not well probably if you ask (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I'm a tested subject in the state of Texas, so, you know, a lot of pressure is put on that to deliver results, which that's fine. The hard part is our testing happens at the end of April, so we run on a really fast curriculum. Um, and it's tough. Like, this year's a hard year, too, because, you know, I missed a chunk of time for some personal reasons in the right at the start of the school year, and so that took me out, but balancing it with it. It takes time, understanding from my wife on the weekends that I got to get stuff sorted out for the for not just the classroom but the weight room, and just trying to stay very organized and taking it one week at a time. Oh yeah, for sure. I I remember, and I still do every single day of well weekends on Saturday mornings. I try to get some programming done, and then on Sundays if we need any like um. If you want uh, teaching stuff, lesson plans, uh, material, stuff like that, um, that's just part of that life of being a classroom teacher and taking care of your athletes as well. Um, let's kind of shift over to you for a moment. Um, tell us about your journey and your role into strength and conditioning and how you got to your spot right now. So my role to strength and conditioning... Um, I guess really starting in 2018, I got fired from a different job. I was working in the summer camp world. It was cool. I got to, you know, play dodgeball for money. Um, and, you know, hang on, be around kids. And I got, I lost my job. My, I guess she was technically a girlfriend and then fiance and then a wife in a very short span of time um, suggested she was working on becoming a special ed teacher. And so I was, she was like, man, your busy times, my off time. Have you thought about doing, you know, being a teacher and a coach? And I was like, that's a great idea. You know, because I like having time off with her. It makes life easy. And so then I hit the panic button. I was in Fort Worth, Texas at the time. I was like, man, who do I talk to? And I got a hold of my old OC, Jed Cates, who's the head coach of Richland High School. And I went up there and toured, you know, talked to him, try to see what the ins and outs of football are like. And this is going to actually be kind of funny. He introduced me to his strength coach at the time, who was Monty Sparkman. And so I actually ended up volunteering up there that summer with their summer program, kind of getting a feel for the football side. And I was like, man, I really like this, this strength side. So 
you know, Monty kind of walked me through stuff. And then I spent some time, I was working at an elementary school up there running a science lab, which is still probably the best job I've honestly ever had. Um, real chill, real fun. All I did was experiments all day and working on my certifications to be a teacher. Um, you know, and I'm learning from, you know, I get invited out to STS to train with Monty and his crew at the time, which he had a wild, by an incredibly strong group of dudes out there. Um, so I changed a lot of weights because, you know, the weakest guy changes weight. So I changed a lot of them. <laughs> um, but, you know, me also not knowing that Monty Sparkman was who he is at the time. I'm just like, hey, this is the dude. He's nice. He's helping me out. He's got a pretty cool little gym. Um, but we'd made the decision then to move out to Lufkin, Texas. So honestly, I kind of hung up the dream because when we got out to Lufkin and the surrounding school districts, like no one really has a strength coach. Um, I knew of uh, Coach Ford, who was at the school previous. He was at Central before me. Um, but that was really it. And he ran, you know, their powerlifting program to their strength stuff. And then I think two years into teaching, I was teaching math in eighth grade at Lufkin Middle School. He left. And then at one point, my wife was like, why don't you apply for his position? And I was like, I have no idea why I don't apply for his position. And, you know, I got that position in the end of June 2021. And ever since then, we've been, it's been a roller coaster ever since. Awesome, John. Uh, talking about Monty for just a little bit. I mean, Monty is the man. He's, he's incredible, man. Um, you know, he was the first episode I got to record on here and published. And I think that I think to this day, it's still the longest episode I've ever recorded. It was like two, two and a half hours, something like that. It is still the longest episode. And, um, he, he just comes with a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience, man. Um, and you just talk to him, you can just see, and you can hear from his voice, just like how passionate he is about what he does every single day. Um, that was back when he was still at Azel and now he's in his new spot now. And, uh, I know he posts stuff from time to time about his kids and it looks like he's, you know, just killing it over there, man. Oh yeah. Like, like I said, it was weird for me cause I just met, met a guy, right? Like. I didn't know who he was. It was just this is the strength coach. It was like, oh, cool, he's going to help me out. And then, you know, after a while, you're like, okay, this guy might be kind of a big dude. Like, he knows what it is. And so definitely don't want to sound like a Monty retread here, but it's, you know, that's a dude that taught me most of what I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's crushing it at Colleyville Heritage. They're going to be dangerous in the future. Like, and, and that school's good. Like, he's got good teams. You know, I think his volleyball team just finished something like third at state. I think his softball team's really good. That football team's going to come around. Like, he's just got good. And his resources are crazy. Oh, yeah. I think he just got skyhook mats, I believe. And not just one, but two of them. And they're like a grand a piece. Um, but, yeah, that, that I mean, that's incredible what he's doing over there. And, um I mean, it helps to have good athletes, but it also helps to have a really, really good strength coach on your side as well in your building. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna go far for them. You know, he's got, you know, it, it's nice to have the natural athletes, but you have a good strength coach, a guy that understands bringing everybody up to a certain level, 
you know, raising that, raising that floor instead of trying to chase that ceiling, like they're going to do a lot of really. Absolutely. And kind of listening to you, man, it sounds like your wife has a lot of good suggestions for you along the way of applying to, you know, certain jobs and kind of almost helping you direct about whereabouts to go, man. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's always, it's always great to have someone like that in your life. My wife has done that plenty of times. She's like, why don't you do this? It's like, I didn't even think about doing, you know, X, Y, Z thing. Um, but I, I, I guess that's why, you know, God gave us uh, a companion, a partner, a spouse to, to, to elevate where we lack. Oh, without a doubt. She's the brains of the operation. <laughs> you know, I'm the strength coach, right? I'm the bronze. Like, she's the brain. She, she has the great ideas and the guidance and the, the sound thought. And I wouldn't be able to do what I do without her. Man, I'll tell you what. My, my wife jokes around with me all the time. Because in school, I didn't take school as seriously as I did or I should have when I was in high school, college. Uh, Less with like a 3.0 GPA. I mean, decent, but not like 4.0, whatever. She has like a, I think she left high school with like a 4 point some GPA, fifth in her class. She's like, yeah, I'm a lot smarter than you. It's like, that's cool. I'm still a lot stronger than you. <laughs> yeah, my wife's doing that, wanting to work on her master's and she mentions every once in a while, like, maybe I'll try to be a lawyer or get a PhD. And I'm like, girl, whatever you want to do, go for it. Like, I'm here to support. <laughs> I was lucky enough to get a bachelor's, man. I know, right? Like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Try to, pass, try to pass the CSCS and I'll call it a day. Man, that's a ruthless test. Oh, I know. Everything I've like, researched, studied, I'm just like, man, the biology side of it just... My worst science subject by far, and just reading on it, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be. I really don't want to take it twice. I joked around a couple of times on social media, and I told you know a few good uh, fellow strength coaches of mine. I said, do you know what really good studying is for the CSCS? It's teaching biology. If you can teach that subject, you can pass the, the scientific portion of that test because that's what it, all it is. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about doing. I'm going to try to sit in our biology teacher's class and just sit back there, take notes, and knock it all out. Because I'm like, this is this is, you know, the strength side. You got you you learn that as you go, but that biology it starts talking about how cells and ATP, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, it could be dense, man. It could be very very dense. So walk us through a day at Central for you. What do you do for your athletes? How do you program? Uh, what does your speed and jelly look like and everything else in between? So um, the first fun thing is we actually don't have a football team. So I'm a strength coach without a football team. So, you know, I use that to put a lot of pressure on me on my days because I don't have dudes that just wake up and are freak athletes. And I'm not saying that's taken away from anyone with guys like that, but there are some guys, on, you got dudes on football teams that you're just like, you know, your DNA winds a certain direction. You get to be great. Like, it, it's true. Um, so my day, my day, I don't know. I teach the first four periods of the day. I teach Algebra 1. So my fifth period, we run on an eight-period schedule. My fifth period, I get powerlifting. So I actually have a powerlifting period for my team, um, which runs between a split of conjugate and 5-3-1, um, depending on just – 
honestly what I know I'm going to get out of them. Who's going to show up to do what? And both programs work wonderfully. Um, for my teams, we run – on my boys' side, I'm fully unified right now, so I control absolutely everything, which is awesome. It makes for easy transitions because, like, I think four of the top six basketball players we have right now are baseball so for me to be able to transition the basketball to baseball seamlessly, that goes well. Um, we run on a tier system, like I think just about everybody does, with a 5-3-1 emphasis. I'm going to have a lot more probably of a conjugate-style emphasis on it next year. But like this year I looked at my guys, and I was like, we got to just get strong. Like, I don't care about the rest of it. I need dudes to get good at moving away because I said we don't – my post is six foot, 175 pounds. Well, I don't have a big dude, so we got good. So, like, this year, I said, we ran the tier system through 531. Um, speed training, I feed the cats. I got to go to a, to a conference about, by Tony Holler last year. I experimented with it a lot, and then I went and heard him talk, which if you ever get a chance to hear Tony Holler talk, I can't recommend that enough. Um, and so we started feeding the cats, and that changed everything. I, I've got kids running 22, 23 miles an hour. Um, I think a basketball team, they'd actually did all their lifting after school this fall and, and sprints and agility work. But I think at any one time, I got two kids on the floor that run 20 miles an hour. Next year, I'll have five. Uh, for basketball, which makes a big difference. Like, we used to get pressed just religiously. And now, y'all can bet. If you want to run the press, it's your funeral. Like, you're more than welcome to. Uh, my kids can run through it. Like, my baseball team, I think eight of my nine in the lineup all run 20 miles an hour now. And faster, they still, they still last year 114 bases with a 91% success rate. But I said, overall for training, we keep it simple. I feed the cats, agility, I run them through the grid. I, I let sports practice take care of a lot of that too. Like, you know, I'm not a big agility guy with baseball. I'm like, honestly, it's a pretty straightforward sport. Um, and the fact that at no point do I need someone to cross somebody over, try to break someone's ankles. Like, we're trying to go from point A to point B as fast as we can get there. Um, and then I said, we'll put a lot of emphasis on getting very, very, very strong. Um, which as historically as the school, we have not had. So yeah, that's my basic, that's my basic day. Gotcha. See all my teams and we roll through, we roll through that. Gotcha. Um, so what do you use to track? to see miles per hour do you use a 10-yard flaw with the five build uh with the 30 um, build do you have gps like how do you measure that so i'd love to experiment with gps and basketball it's a whole different can, can of worms but i have a free lap timing system which monty swears up and down is broken but he can argue that all he wants he's just mad that my flies are faster than his um yeah so we use that my big kpis for basketball are a five-yard fly and fly 10 and a 30-yard fly and fly 10. 
Um, I played around with some curved running. I'm going to play around with it more in the next offseason. Um, try to get it. I don't know if I fully got the benefit out of it I wanted, but those are my two big ones for basketball. For baseball, we'll also run the 20-yard dash out of a steal position. So we'll run from first to second. So we so like we know through them, we know what everyone's times are going first to second. My my baseball coach is very analytical. So we know how long it takes from the pitcher to the catcher, from the catcher to second, and we know who we can send when. Um, which I can dive into that rabbit hole real great if we want to. And then for baseball, we also time second to home. So we try to get some real metrics on that, but the, my bread and butter is still the, the five-yard fly 10 and the 30-yard fly 10. Yeah, awesome. And we can dive into that analytical mind. That's how kind of my mind works. I'm really good with numbers. So things like coding, which Google Sheets is like a very, very watered-down basic coding, if you want to call it that. Um, but um, I, I work the same way. I'm very analytical minded and that's how I present our coaches. Like here's our improvements in strength and speed and agility, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, we can go down that, that, down that rabbit hole. So, um, that's an interesting approach that you bring to your baseball team where it's home to first and then first to second and then second to home. Correct. Uh, no, it's first to second and second to home. So, and then just two normal flies in between. Because like home, home, home to first, we timed that with a hand timer. I let my baseball coach deal with that. Because, you know, depending on what side of the batter's box you're on and blah, 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 you know, and you're meant to take it from, a, from where they're at in the swing. So there's a lot. There's a lot more that goes into that that I can't – we can't quite get on just normal timers. But, like, you know, again, I'm a 3A high school in Texas. I got 400 kids maybe in the high school. Um, you know, when you talk about 6As and they're 2,200 plus, like, there's a big gap between us and the top. So we, we took a step back and we looked at baseball. Like, we're going to small ball. Like, the likelihood that I'm going to get four dudes that can jack it up over a fence is slim. Last year, we had our first home run in five years. I mean, that's just – that's 3A baseball. I've seen – I've been coaching now – or not coaching it, but, you know, a part of it for three – I guess two seasons, I've seen two home runs. My kids don't – you know, I, I went to a 5A high school that was great at baseball. We'd have two home runs a game. We had a kid bat for the cycle in high school. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we, we focused on the running, and I was like, man, I think I can make us untouchable. And he wants to play small ball, so we broke it all down. and. You know, I said, we know exactly how long it takes to go from first to second, and we know exactly how long it takes for that pitcher and catcher to get the ball from the mound to home, to home second. So we know when we can send people. We know who we can send. We know how to pre put pressure on everybody. We know who needs to be on second to get the home and what times they run. You know, this is just, like I said, it's the stuff we got to do to take advantage. Very, I, as a strength coach, I just want to jack up home runs. but. That's really hard, I've learned. As someone that didn't play baseball, that is a very difficult sport. Uh, hopefully we see some more home runs this year, but we'll see what happens. That's a pretty interesting approach to understand which players can run from uh, first to second, you know, who you can steal, who you can't steal. 
I mean, you kind of have a sense of who who some of your players are not going to be able to steal from first to second. Um, but to put a number on it and put a metric on it, it's, that's a really interesting approach. Yeah, because like we break it down, he's got the sheets of what you see from you know pros and D one athletes, D two to D three, and the times between those. And so I broke it down where I was like, hey, look, I think I can give you D one levels. Now. You know, I, I've seen people argue, especially on Twitter. Twitter's great for chaos. Um, like, yeah, I got dudes with D1 level speed. They weigh 135 pounds, though. You know, that's not my fault. Like, yeah, he can't. He probably can't play D1 baseball, but he dang sure can play 3A baseball real good. You know, <laughs> and like, if anyone wants to find out, I'll be more than happy to put you in the box against him. Like, he's a great pitcher. My kid, that can do that. He runs 9-2 fly 10. But it allows us, because we know if we get a D1 pitcher, which we have them in our district, our district, I think we have three top 20 teams in the state in our district, and we ain't one of them. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're chipping away at them, though. You know, if they, when they initiate their windup and they throw from their windup to home, it's going to take it the best 1.1 seconds. If they got a D1 catcher, which there is not one in our district, they're going to have a pop time. So when they catch the ball, switch hands and gun it down to second of 1.6. So we know, we know if we're facing the best, we have to start our steal and get into second in 2.7 seconds. You know, realistically, we probably got three seconds because the best catcher we're going to see is a 1.9. Best pitcher is probably a 1.3. So we really got probably three seconds. But I mean, we got. 11 dudes that can come in under two two eight. so but it, i mean like i said it, i think it builds the confidence in the kids to see it too is like you know it's a confidence sport so I, I need them to be sitting on first understanding like hey look i don't need you to try to lay out doubles if you don't need to like get the first we'll get the second you're feeling real brave let's get you the third and we'll see what happens in the rest of the game but you know that stresses out pitchers and catchers and high schoolers are phenomenal at making mistakes in games like baseball. <laughs> so it's just, like I said, it's, it's chipping away at trying to be really good at some stuff that stresses other people out. Just being really good at the basics, man. I mean, that's all it takes. You, you know, if you can run fast, you, if you can hit the ball far enough to where you can make it just the first, uh, first base, I mean, that's all you need. And then you just start chipping away. Right, you go second, you go third, and you you start to score, and you start racking up points. So I mean, it's just those little chips, man. It's the little things like I can control. Like I can't fix a kid's swing. I can't make you hit a curveball. Good lord, if you ever see me throw, I can't do that either. But I can get you from first to second. Well, I can do that. If you can get to first, I can get you the rest of the way. You know, and that that's that's just where I try to influence the sports. And then you talk about instilling confidence in our athletes and your kids. I mean, that's a huge part of their athletic development that I think it's not ignored, but it's not really highlighted either because, you know, their bodies go through changing. Uh, I mean, it's ever-changing. Uh, they got stressors on social media, in school, at home, whatever. So confidence levels is almost like daily. It could change daily. Um, just like their attitudes, just like their emotions, right? Those change 
daily. They change probably hourly if we if we if we want to be honest with ourselves. You know, like that's that's a key component of our athletic um, ability or their athletic abilities is instilling confidence in them. Oh yeah, like you know, like I said, I train baseball, basketball, and softballs, main softball sports mainly. Like you know, I tell the boys like, look, the bench press isn't my highest priority, but I want every one of those boys to be able to hit two plates. Because there's just something about the two plates, the, the knowing there's two plates on that bar that change everything about how they feel about themselves. And I'm like, that's the goal. Like, now it's hard because most of my athletes weigh 155 pounds. So <laughs> that's a pretty massive bench press, but it's important. I don't think it's necessarily the most important thing in basketball, but shoot, it matters. And that's another thing. It's- if, if if it matters to them, which for guys, I think a higher bench press, you know, squatting more, I think that becomes a higher priority because, you know, we, we want to lift as much weight as humanly possible, regardless of form. Because I, 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 I was a high school boy. I get it. You know, I, I wanted to squat 400, 450 pounds when I was a senior in high school and, you know, look like Billy Badass on, on in the weight room, whatever. But at the same time, like, I guess that's why we need qualified strength coaches and people, you know, who are intelligent to run weight rooms as well. Just because, you know, what if something goes wrong with that 400, 450 pounds on, you know, little Johnny's back or whatever. You know, that's that's a lawsuit waiting to happen, first off. And second of all, you know, that could kill confidence for that kid as well. Yeah, like, you know. I'll be the first to say it. I'm still trying to chase. Like, I think I finally caught most of them, but it's like I spent tons of time trying to chase my high school numbers back down. I have no idea what my form looks like. I just know I lifted, I guess, a lot. You know, I'm fortunate as a powerlifting coach in Texas. For some reason, the records run out right at my senior year, so none of my kids can cross-check how I did. But, yeah, you're right. Like, to the boys, all that matters is the weight. Like, who cares how it got up as long as it gets up? And I, I do, you know, like everybody, I do my best to try to make sure form's good, we're safe. But even then, man, teenagers are still going to be teenagers. I know. Uh, when I walked into the school that I'm at right now, I changed up back squats to front squats. Hey, after they just went through like 18 weeks in the off season of just back squatting, no front squats and stuff like that. It's like, man, this sucks. I'm like, yeah, but same time, like, you can't just ignore this variation that you you are obviously did not get to train. Like, at some point, we'll change it up and whatever. Said, so, but your your heels are coming up. We're not getting low enough. You know, you're barely going right above. Hit the knee. I mean, like, like no, this ain't happening. So we we're gonna just go back to basics, right? If that means that you have to front squat 135, then we'll do it. Even though you squat, quote unquote, squat 400, 500 pounds. So, but, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I'm the, I got the same way, especially in my taller, taller athletes. We're talking, you know, six foot one. Um, I don't know why the balloons just went through that screen, but they did. Um, you know, when I talk about front squat, my taller athletes, I'm sure you got some tall ones too. Like, 
you talk about the people that complain about the front squat the most. You know, and that's also the common thing, though, is when do we get the back squat? I'm like, look, most of y'all play sports in the front side. Front squat's great. There's tons of data to talk about how it's generated more muscle stimulation than the back squat. You know, I understand the weights are less, but it's like, I got a kid in powerlifting. And like I said, we've been running a 5-3-1 style template. You know, I think the most he front squatted was, and we box squat. I box squat everybody, for one. Um, but I think he front squatted his sets over two plates, three or four sets total maybe in the fall, and he squats 500 pounds. So, you know, like, front squat does something just great to building up that leg drive, that overall strength, being able to throw the bar on the back and go. But, yeah, I mean, I'm also like, it's a safer lift in my opinion. It's easier to ditch. You know, I love any one. Everyone's like, man, what happens when I get stuck? Slam it down the safety bars, man. It's just the, most of my bars probably honestly cost like 100 bucks. So <laughs> we're trying to bring in new ones. But I'm like, just, just you know, if you, if you get stuck and you got to ditch it, ditch it. Like, we want to stay safe. Well, I remember in high school, I hit my heaviest back squat ever, got up to the top and went right off the back of my shoulders and, and my spotter went down. And I'm just like, you know, it's just, it's just a great lift. And kids hate it. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I, I'm, I get the, uh, the response of, well, it hurts my wrist. It's like, okay, you want to go zombie squats? Cause I can max on zombie squats for 225 for at least a few reps. Sit there, you know, thumbs out, arms straight. You say, you want to go that way? That's fine. Um, but also in the back of my mind thinking, well, what's the, what's the catch position on a clean or a power clean? It's a front squat. You're in that front right position anyways. And we play sports in a front position. You, you know, you're not going backwards. You're not, if you get hit from behind, that's, that's, you know, that's something, you know, <laughs> illegal. But, but I mean, like, there's enough, I guess, supporting points to say, well, we need a front squad. If you clean, if you play sports, you're going to be front squatting. Um, and even, and I told, you know, a bunch of, you know, uh, strength coaches and uh, people that I talk to daily, and I told the kids too, I said, okay, you don't want front squat? That's fine. We can go zombie squats. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. We'll go searcher squats. I'll ditch the cleans, and we'll go just searchers for, you know, the rest of ever, you know, whatever. And I introduced that to our football team. They hate them. I love them. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I experiment with Zurchers on my own. I think my elbows still hurt. I don't know. I got three plates. It was a good day. But that was, that was a pain that was unreal. I, I think I hit 285 from one. And I'm sitting there about 190. I'm like, okay, that is, it's decent. But I'm sitting there like, I'm never doing that again. That, you know, that, that stuff hurts, man. No, like... I said, I always want to see what it was. Your, your 285 and 190 is a lot more impressive than my 315, and we won't worry about my, what my body weight is right now. But definitely not as strong as I probably should be. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you on the front squat. Like, the complaints, like, well, zombie, like, my best cleans when I've caught them come out in zombie squats. And that, that yeah, like, it just slips, and, hey, here we go. And, you know, my, my once-a-year cleaning attempts that I usually try to do for myself to make sure I'm still sitting at, you know, body weight or so that I can catch. But, yeah, like, it's just, like I said, it's just a great lift. And, 
I don't know. Kids are funny. I was like, man, your shoulders will thank me in the future. You know, I'm fortunate. I got some specialty bars, but I don't know. I don't plan on using back squat anytime soon. So I can work my way around it, but. but well, we, we use both just because I, I like the back squat. I, that was my best lift when I was in college and high school was the back squat. Um, I like to think that I can teach it really well. That, can I? I have no idea. I will have to have a peer review, you know, someone come in and tell me feel whatever. Bad. But but I feel like I can, you know, kind of teach it really well. Um, a lot of our freshmen are starting to kind of get the hang of it, but also progress, regress where we need to. So we'll go from goblet squats. We'll do zombies. We'll do the heel elevated. We'll do front squats. Shoot, we'll probably even do zerchers before we go in the back squats. Um, just for that range of motion and just for that movement, man. It's just a good, solid movement. And that, that's why I try to chase. It's just sitting there. I just want solid movements. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. And like, you got a football team, you know, I agree with your approach 100%. I'd probably rotate the front and the back, especially I get for linemen too. Like, you know, those dudes are doing a different, someone that played offensive line in high school, like the exertion on your legs is a whole different level than every other and I, I get that wanting to, you know, load it up. And I, I think people say, like, your front squat should be 85% of your back squat. I'm like, man, that's not – no. Like, it's a way bigger percentage at some point. And I was like, so I, I, I 100% get it. But, yeah, like, the front squat's just a great movement to build and teach that range of motion and get them used to sitting down there at, the, at full depth and, you know, let them get used to that. and. Plus, I think it is getting more popular. Like, you know, I try to watch Instagram and stuff and see what other people and like, you know, I was like, come on, influencers, I need you to do this. So it makes my life easier. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, that's where the attention of our kids are at. They're, they're on social media. They're like, well, what about this guy? What about this influencer that was squatting on the BOSU ball? Look at this. He's putting, you know, 135 on the BOSU ball. Like, man, that's the most ridiculous stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. He said, don't even, if you follow him, unfollow him. He said, that, that is ridiculous. And when I look at those guys, I'm like, show me a picture of them. And I'm always looking for them. I'm like, one, the weights on that bar don't match the weights on that rack. You know, I'm like, and two, I was like, I know a few guys. Like, like I said, this is the fortunate side to having hung around Monty is, I've seen some dudes that can move some weight. Like, I actually got to lift with Donnie Thompson at Monty's place, which is pretty cool. Um, which, you want to talk about an insanely strong human being. Uh, Donnie Thompson's just ridiculously strong. But, you know, these people are like, man, this kid's deadlifting 700 pounds for reps. And I'm like, no, those got to be – like, I know the guys that can really do it. I was like, I've seen the dudes that can come close to it. And I was like, that dude looks like he was 185 and 0% body fat. Like, he ain't doing 700 pounds of reps. I hate to break it. <laughs> like, dudes that lift that kind of weight just look. They have a certain look to them. I'm like, stop following him. What kills me is the speed and agility specialists where they do all the little, like, cones and stuff like that and make you catch, like, this little tricolor looks like a dog toy you have to catch like the blue side of it or whatever and i'm not knocking one that really does that or well i kind of am um but i don't know there's just better things that you can do in your time besides that 
that that's I'm just like you know I'm not saying get in the weight room and ignore the speed agility change of direction anything like that that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is you know you pay this trainer five hundred dollars for three sessions and the only that you're doing is random obstacles just just random obstacles like that that is not the point of your athletic development and to be honest they're stealing money for you at that point yeah like man i got some kids i'm i'm very fortunate that one my athletic department lets me use my weight room for some private training stuff you know i think that's rare i think that's very nice of them um i trained some local football players it's the same thing man like they come in they're like man my feet like this i'm like you know i'm like guys we're trying to get game speed you know i watched one he did the same thing you talked about there's the cones and the feet and the shuffling and i'm like dude you look slow and i'm like i'm gonna tell you this like we you know we work roll 90s and i'll get them into the grid eventually and we'll start working 135 degree cuts and comebacks and all that but i'm like I'm like, have you ever, I'm like, you've cut 90. I was like, do you know what foot you plant off of? And they're like, no. And I'm like, that's something you need to know. Like, that's an inside cut. Like, we, you know, we work that. I was like, look, when you come in full speed, you got three steps to hit the brakes. I was like, I want it hip sunk. I want that, if we're rolling left, I want that left foot in the ground. I want you coming hard down the line the other side. I was like, you know, when you're playing football, so I'm working with receivers, and which is just baffles me that I work with wide. You know, like I said on a private side, that's just wild. Because I'm like, dude, I bought so many wide receivers playing high school football. Um, but I'm like, you know, you're getting defended, and you're you going to these guys are teaching you to chop these feet. Defenders are waiting for that. Like you're the offensive player, you got control. If you can come in and out fast, like you sit there and chop, that defender stays on you. And yes, yeah, so I'm with you. Like y'all paying some people. Easy money to get covered better. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think about guys like John Garge. I, I hope I pronounce your name if you if you're uh, listening to this, John. Uh, like Tony Holler, like Les Bellman. I mean, those guys they train speed and agility the way that's supposed to with technique, and you can just tell their kids are really, really athletic. And then they use the weight room to complement what they are doing speed agility wise i mean they're not running around on these random obstacles and you know doing random cuts and whatever just just for the sake of working harder or for the grind or anything like that it i mean honestly it for what they do it's you know what i've seen on social media and what they put out it's it's quality stuff and now i go back to this other side of well this trainer is doing like a 380 whatever spin cut duck whatever I, I don't know i just something just doesn't settle well with me when you're paying an ass amount of money just to get a little result yeah i mean it, it's like you said like i love stealing from tony holler and les spellman like full credit to everything i've ever taken from what they do because <laughs> that's it is you watch you watch these guys train to track athletes, football players, like I said, I did with basketball and baseball players, but you're looking at, you know, one, you're, you know, what, record, rank, and publish, everything. Like, if I can set timers up to it, I'm doing it. I don't care. You know, my, my department bought me four more chips so I can run more people through more efficient. Like, 
If I can time it, I want to know it. Um, and and they're they're running real stuff that you see, like you know, if you're training a receiver and you got an in route, that's a roll ninety. Like you better know how to plant those feet and get in and out of that break as fast as possible. You know, even if you're running posts or corners, like you're still making forty five degree cuts. Like you need to be able to make that efficiently. Um, because that's it. Like I said, I work with some guys privately. Um, one of my guys, he just signed to go to Notre Dame, play running back. But that's something, you know, that him and I worked on is I was very, very um, harsh about how I broke down how he played the game. You know, his junior year, we worked on making sure his legs were strong. They weren't strong enough. He wasn't fast enough. That changed. Like I said, Tony Holler, feed the cats. Thanks for that. Um, he appreciates that full ride in Notre Dame from learning how to move like that. Um, and I understand, too, that a lot of what he has is God-given, right? Like, he's a Ferrari. I taught him how to drive. Like, I didn't make him into what he was. His DNA from God made him into what he is. Um, but it's like, that's something we talked about this summer we put it into practice was like, man, he just wasn't moving fast enough laterally. And I was like, dude, stop that Barry Sanders beat chopping stuff. Like, you 220, you ain't Barry. Like, one foot in the ground, let's go. We need to know which direction you're going, how that cut works. And I said, I didn't have to tackle him, but neither did most defenses he played. So I love that quote that you said, the, the, the kid's a Ferrari, and you just tell him how to drive. I mean, I think that happens for a lot of genetically freak athletes. You know, they got the body for it. They got the natural talent. They got even the athletic ability. They just don't know how to use it just yet. And I, that's where we come in, man. We just step in, teach them how to drive their, their car, man, and just watch them go. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like. You know, especially with the, the freaky athletes like that, that's got That's what it comes down to is. Well, I know where, you know, I got another group of them now that I think they're actually coming up here at four. I got plenty of time, but, you know, I know how. You know, most of their stuff's God given, like I look at a lot of the athletes I work at. Yeah, we're building some real athleticism. Like, I, I don't have that kid like I talked about earlier that just walks in. But, you know, we build. It takes a little longer than those guys. But, you know, I got guys that can run as fast as a D1 running back. I got guys that are as strong as a D1 running back. I don't have one guy that can do it all. But, you know, and that's, that's it, though, with those elites is, like, I just need you to learn how to use your body. Like, you just do, you know, you get to wake up and beat you. Like, you know, I think I asked him. As I said, playing, playing offensive, well, I was like, man, what do you see when you see the field? And he was like, I see a bunch of dudes that can't catch me. I was like, that must be real nice. Man, I played offensive line as well in high school and college. I was a little bit bigger back then, um, and especially in college. I came in as a, like a 190 center. I played D3 ball, keep in mind. Okay. Um, and I came in as a 190 center. Had good, had a good high school career, man. Um, but Came in as a 190 center. I was like, man, I, I got to get some weight. Because even at D3, don't sleep on Division three. There's a, still some dudes at Division three levels. There's still some athletes at Division three level. I watched our running back. I mean, Fies like Earl Campbell, man. And he could run you over in a heartbeat. 
and went on to be a Division Three All American. I think he plays overseas still in his third year of like professional ball in Europe. I mean, like just a freak of a talent. Uh, but I mean, don't sleep on Division Three athletes. They're still they're still college athletes for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I I played center as well in high school. I was two hundred five my senior year. At my biggest, I was not two hundred five when I graduated my senior year. But you know, happens, and. You know, I had I had an NAIA offer, and I said I looked at that. I, I was in the A and M though, and so that was kind of taking my priority. Like it was, you know, go to College Station, go play in Northern Iowa. You know, A and M was my dream school from growing up. So, but yeah, like those dudes are for real. I was like, man, I'm two hundred five. Like you trying to get me killed? Yeah, man. I I didn't realize, I guess I just didn't realize like the level gap between being a senior in high school and then going playing college ball. Cause that, that's a huge gap. That's a huge jump. Especially if you're just like, Oh, I think I can walk in and start. No, unless you are a freak talent, you, you ain't going to start. I, I've seen maybe, Oh, at the school that I went to, I think I saw five, six freshmen start in my four three four years there uh when they walk in and start and you're talking about the kid the running back with the fives like earl campbell who can have flat out speed man um i had a corner who in his sophomore year all season squatted 500 pounds i mean like he was a, about 170 corner squatting 500 pounds i mean you just don't see that and i mean started I think he started all four years. Wow. <laughs> I say, yeah, like, sorry, I'm up at the school and the bells never go off. Um, yeah, like the ability to do that is just hard. Like D three, you know, even at even the small schools, you're still talking about the guys that took it very seriously in high school, for the most part. You know, and I'd say even I'd say the small schools, you probably got the guys that took it real seriously in high school. You know. There's there's slightly less of that just God given freakishness. I was like, man, all these dudes know how to work. All these guys are strong. You know, like it's it's a different like, yeah. There's great ball at the D D three D two level. You know, I just watched. I said, I think I vacationed differently. We just got done with a nine day cruise. I watched Harding and Colorado schools and mines play the D two championship on. My wife was asleep. I'm like, this is great football. <laughs> but it's like, those dudes are for real. You know, they're talking about, they got guys out there squatting 800 pounds. Like, I've never felt that on my shoulders, but I know it's heavy. Like, that's real strength. Yeah, they run, Harden runs a flex bone, the triple option. Love and I, I, I love it too. I love, because they, they'll run up and down that field. I mean, they'll run the ball down your throats in a heartbeat. And it, it's just beautiful to watch, man. I guess it's just the offensive line portion of it. I, I just love really, really good run game. And that's what Flexbone is. They would sit there and just run that up and down. God, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. We're seeing more and more schools switch, switch to that in Texas. I know there's – that's what I tell everybody is, you know, I say it's very interesting being a strength coach without football. Cause I get to go around. Like I said, I train some kids. So I get to go watch them play. Like I got no skin in the game. It's awesome. Honestly, it's great. Um, but you know, I'll talk with parents. They're like, "Man, you know, offenses are predictable." I'm like, "We got a team out in West Texas. They'll run 
a tackle guard center and everybody else down the right side of that line, you know, two guards, two tackles, a tight end, whatever. That's why they just run the ball and they run behind a very unbalanced line. You know exactly where the ball's going. But they're going four rounds deep in the playoffs in big school Texas football every year. I was like, that, that's the way I'd do it. Like, everyone's switching these spreads, these four, two, five defenses. I'm like, man, I just line up, like, load the box. Let's go. Plus, like I said, I'm a lineman. So, run blocking was fun. Man, it gets real in the A and B gaps, man. It gets real. Like, double teams, cuts. You got people cussing each other out. Oh, man, it was beautiful. It was, it was, it was some of the most fun. Like, it was just nasty playing line like you know like as a as a fellow center and not a big one at that like we get if we were down two yards or less like hats off to again coach Kate's up at Richland for calling this and trusting me when he was in high school when I was in high school I mean like it was QB sneak we weren't getting fancy let's just wedge it up and get in the end zone and go on about our day that's all we did. And I was like, man, he trusted me with a lot because they brought some big dudes out there to try to stop our run. And that's when you put your shoulder right in their hip and their side and you just drive them down, man. Yeah, I mean, like, bear crawling, you know, helmet in the gut. Like, we're just, I'm just trying to get into the end zone. I don't care. Like, quarterback knew what was going. I was somehow played with the same quarterback all four years of high school. Like, we followed each other, each team. So, like, there was a lot of familiarity there. A lot of jammed fingers there. Um, but, yeah, like, that's the way it was meant to be played. I agree, man. All right, let's start wrapping this thing up here. So, let's do the last segment, Conjugate Coach Spotlight. So, is there anyone that you want to shout out or highlight in the strength conditioning field? And, you know, like I said, if, if, you, if you're new to strength and conditioning and not following anyone, Monty Sparkman's a good dude to reach out to. He, uh, you know, he'll, he'll help anybody out. He can give you a good basis on where to start with everything. Um, I'll, I'll shout out Seth Ford out at Huntington High School. He's now at Arrival. He's a real knowledgeable guy. Doesn't post a lot, but, I mean, absolute menace to run into his powerlifting teams. Not looking forward to that this year. You know, he gave me a lot of the literature I started off with. Like, I can't, you know, thank those two guys enough for putting me in the position I'm in. You know, I said, you ever get a chance to talk to Coach Ford? Knowledgeable dude um, out there. And like I said, he's at a rival now, so we can't like him too much. But he's a great dude. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's who I got. Well, awesome, John. Um... Thank you again for taking the time and everything, man, to come on the podcast and uh, to be able to chop it up outside of the, the Twitterverse, the Xverse, whatever you want to call it um, nowadays, man. You know, seeing, seeing people on social media is one thing and interacting with, you know, you and several others on social media is one thing, but actually getting to sit down, have a conversation, uh, you know, get to know you on a personal level. It's way, way better. I, I, I guess that's why we like going to conferences and clinics and stuff, man, and get to see, you know, everyone face-to-face and actually, you know, talk and be able to chop it up. It's, it's completely awesome, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't thank you for bringing me on enough. Like, it's great to get to talk to you, get to know people. You know, I think this podcast has really changed how I do things. You know, you've, you've had some incredible guests. I'm honored to be a part of that. 
But like I said, I just appreciate getting to sit here, talk shop, you know, talk working with teams, different sports than I think a lot of people highlight. So I said, I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, man. I, I mean, I just enjoy chopping it up, man. Um, you know, I think when I first started this thing, I used it for almost like professional development to to learn from some of the best coaches that, I, in my opinion, were out there. And now it's kind of developed into where, you know, I still learn things from time to time, but I also get to connect with people and just have a fun conversation, man. And I told you before we even started this podcast, like, I had no questions. I had no script or anything like that. You know, we just kind of let this thing rip. And I mean, I, I think that's where I think this has been the most like genuine season I've had of this podcast, just because there's nothing scripted. There's maybe some topics here and there. And we dive down some rabbit holes here and there, but it's more just two people having a conversation rather than, okay, here's what we got going on. Here's the script. Here's the questions. It, I, I don't know. I like it the way it is right now. I like it. I'm looking forward to listening to this season. You got some great guests on there. So I said, this is fun. Well, awesome, Coach. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social medias at Conjugate Coach or Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also, follow Coach Colvin on his social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today.